doing it live on a Wednesday because Uncle Bo had food poisoning yesterday. I am merely Bo Bishop in the uh, in the Hudson area. My good buddy Johnny Ginter is in the Columbus area, and I I appreciate you being able to to move your schedule because I was um, inconvenienced by salmon. Frankly, well, I'm I'm a you know a high school teacher, so I don't really have a schedule right now. So you know, don't give me too much credit. <laughs> <laughs> for These being are your able months, to go from right? nothing on Tuesday to nothing on Wednesday. That's fine. <laughs> These are your months, right? This is when you flourish. This is when you're yeah. like George Costanz. It's going to be the summer of Johnny, and you're just going to like learn how to play frisbee golf and eat a wheel well, of cheese. I think. I think really, ultimately, what gets accomplished during the summer months is like I just grow more facial hair, so kind of like God, George Costanza. And then I come out of it, and it's just you know it's bad because you don't really you kind of lose a sense of time while you're doing it. And it's yeah. not really like I really what's helpful now is that, you know, we're wedding planning and other stuff. And so there's a lot of stuff right. going on that I've got to keep track of. And that that keeps me on a schedule. But, man, before, you know, my fiance and I started dating and I was kind of in the wilderness by myself, it, it was not a good look. And I just kind of became a, a literal hermit for about two months. So I'm glad I'm no longer that the, the windows are open. The blinds are not drawn. And yeah. Sunlight is coming in, so I don't feel too, you know, too yeah. hot, I guess. All right. Well, that's good. Listen, we don't have, there's not a lot uh, of, of big time things, but here are the things that caught my attention this week. Um, so we'll do this. We'll do some Ask Us Anythings, and I've got a uh, off-the-cuff political question for Johnny. Um, so in terms of what catches my mind, Chris Holt, Holtman and the way his staff have, has maneuvered, what we know now, we didn't know a week ago, is that he's bringing everybody from Butler with him. Um, and so, so that's great. Right. I mean, they had a nice yeah. staff there. They bring in a nice staff here. We'll see what these guys can do. Um, the thing that made me most happy in all of this and um, that Ohio State benefits is great. But I, I think it's great no matter what, is that Butler was quick to release Kyle Young from his <laughs> letter of intent and that he was able to come join his coach at Ohio State. That's a magnanimous play on their, their end. Yeah, I was about to say, that's rarely see that. for them to do that. That is you that rarely is not see something... that, Johnny. I mean, how many no. schools you see just go to battle on stuff like this? And for well, Butler I mean, you to say, the, you know what, go, go ahead, you know, we understand, we'll be fine. Yeah, Best you had the luck. thing on Auburn where they're like specifically calling Ohio State out and not letting their guys yeah. go. So, I, I mean, shoot, yeah, I, I give them huge props for doing that. And I'm sure we would do the same thing. I mean, I, Ohio <laughs> State, I don't know if Ohio State would do this. Let's say no. Thad Mata had, you know, a top five recruiting class. And he, instead of sticking around, he took the job, let's say at North Carolina, let's say this is five, let's say this is four, four years ago when they had D'Angelo Russell. And let's say, and we'll talk about him in a second. And let's say Thad takes the job at Carolina and wants to take D'Angelo with him. Do you think Ohio state would release him from his letter of intent? <laughs> I mean, honestly, I don't No, Hell no. Definitely. No, they're not. No. So it was really big boyish and grown up and the right thing to do for Butler to do that. So um, I remember Kyle a little bit from the state championship um, and remember thinking that he could be like a program guy. So this is a four-star kid, top 100 kid in the state. That's great. So, um, so, so I thought that was a nice play and, and I really, you really tip your hat to Butler for doing the right thing. And I wish more schools would do that. Yeah, no, that's, I, I think that was awesome. And, and maybe they actually are, are recognizing that, maybe sometimes it's important to help the student out instead of just worrying about the program and, and trying to make sure that you can maintain, you know, whatever relevance or, you know, respectability that you're trying to, you know, hold on to with, you know, the tips of your fingers. So I just, I don't know. I mean, you're right. Ohio state wouldn't be nearly that no. magnanimous. They would not be that nice. 
No. And, you know, it, it, to me, what I think is really interesting is just how quickly uh, Holtman has been able to assemble both some of the recruits that he's trying to get in line. They've obviously put out feelers to the guys, like, immediately, which is definitely something that you wanted to see. His staff all being brought over is great. I don't really know what the up-and-coming, you know, assistant coaches are in college basketball. So right. those are the guys that he's comfortable with, and I'm comfortable with him bringing them over. Yeah. Uh, I, you got to feel though for Butler just a little bit because you're, sure. you're just decimating their entire program and expecting them to rebuild it from scratch essentially. But they've done it so much; they're like they're a program. Yeah, now. I mean, like they they next man up. You know, they've been doing this for so long over there. I mean, I really respect the hell out of that program. Right. Um, it seems no matter who leaves, the next guy comes in and they're fine. They'll keep going. They've got they have a program. Um, and what, what I liked about the offense, the assistant coaches being new is, um, I thought that was really necessary. Um, I was glad to hear, I like individually everybody I've ever met or gotten to work with on Thad's staff, but I do think a clean break was needed and, and that there needed to be some fresh faces selling the program. So I'm very pleased that, that we'll get that, that we'll get a brand new staff, um, coming over here and coaching. One of the casualties of that is Upper Arlington four-star guard Dane Goodwin, who decommitted right. uh, from Ohio State today. Um, and it's interesting on this because Clay Hall, who works for Channel 6 for those out of the market and is the longtime sports director in Columbus and has is without question the hardest working media person in Columbus. Uh, he's by himself. When I was at Channel 10, we had a staff of seven or eight, and and Clay had two people. And he had to make things happen. So I have a ton of respect for him. And he works very hard. And he lives in Upper Arlington. His kids went to Arlington. And so he knows the school system well. And he tweeted this afternoon something. He said, you know, this goes both ways. Because there was initially some thought that Dane, you know, was decommitting. And then people were like, you know, high State fans were crushing him, which is always just a stupid thing to do. Right. Um, but but beyond that, it, this is possible that there could have been some sort of uh, message sent from Ohio State to say, "Hey, wouldn't hurt you to look around. That we're we want to reevaluate everything." Um, and I'd be shocked if 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 Dane did this with anything other than being pushed a little bit by Ohio State to open up his recruiting again. Oh no, shocked. hell no! I mean, yeah, abs- this is this is one hundred percent Holtman saying, like, "Hey, I'm trying to get my guys in, and you know, we appreciate that." You know, you were here, but this is kind of a new thing that we're trying out. We got a new coach, and and we need to get our players in. I don't think that's necessarily a slam on him. Although I will say that, and I've heard some people say that maybe he's not quite as as good as he's been hyped to be in some ways. That bugs um, me though, and the reason I'll say that is because all we hear about is how Ohio State needs to keep Ohio recruits. Sure, this is a top right. one hundred kid in the country. He's a top one hundred kid in the country, and he's a four star. Like this isn't a two star. Um, you know, this isn't trust taking Archie's kid. Um, you know, that's not what this is. This is, this kid is a, he's a four-star player. I've seen him play. He can play. He's yeah. not John Diebler, but he can play. <laughs> he could definitely play in the big 10. Um, about the only thing that keeps him from being Debs is just that Debs is six, eight, but I mean, he's a good basketball player and I think he's a program guy and he's exactly the type of guy that Thad didn't have in his program nearly enough. Um, and you know, Wilson will probably be that. Hopefully Wilson will be that for for Holtman and hopefully this circles back around for Dane and because I, I do I do think he can play I don't think I, I don't think that this was some sort of like um oh he's in Arlington let's give him a scholarship Thad didn't do that anyway um but but he's a good player I've seen him in, I've seen him in person several times he can play yeah I, it's not I guess my point is is that it 
it does cut both ways. I mean, if you're going to bring in the staff, you're going to bring in the players too. Yeah. And it, a lot of it is just what the coaches want to do, what they feel comfortable with. And yeah, I, I agree with you. I think this is 100% like a Holtman thing where he's telling them like, hey, you know, you're going to want to check out some other places and see what you can do. And I'm not really, you know, shedding too many tears for the dude. I mean, he, to be fair, you know, he might have obviously like really, really want to go to Ohio State for a really long time. That yeah. sucks if that's not open to him anymore. Um, but he will he will find a place to land. That, this is not yeah. a situation, I think, where a guy is not going to be playing college basketball. Oh, no. Giving opportunity. end up at Notre Dame, and he'll win more. Right, and that's not, you know, and that's not necessarily a bad place to be. So I'm no. not, yeah, it, it's, it, it's part of the process. It sucks, but um, to me, this is not on the same level as, like, say, gray-shirting a kid and saying, sorry, dude, like, no. <laughs> numbers don't work There's out. There's nothing malicious here. It's just one of those things that, this is a byproduct of, of the new coaching. There's going yes. to be things that happen. Uh, one of the positives, you get a, a nice player from the state to come that wasn't in your recruiting class that now is. One of the negatives is a kid who grew up five minutes from campus now is not going to be there. So, yeah. um, you know, they're going to have his, him and his family are going to have to scramble a little bit. And that's the, the, the other thing that that is, it's a reminder of uh, that these are kids and, and that this is, you know, we get wrapped up in recruiting and, and, you know, the, ha, why is this kid not produced and all of these things that we hold these crazy, this crazy standards to. And, and the end rea- re, the reality of it is, is these are, you know, the good ones, 16, 17, right. you know, he's like a kid. He's been committed for three years, you know? So, yeah. Well, the other thing is, for Holtman, so I do have some sympathy for that. Yeah. And the other thing is for Holtman is that he has to explain that. I mean, that that is not something where that just permanently is forgotten. You know, as soon as he gets another recruiting class in, when he goes to other Ohio schools and families and stuff, they're going to ask him about that. Like, what happened with that? Why did you cut that kid loose? Because he was a local kid. Um, yeah. And that's on him to explain. So, I, you know, it's not you're right. You can't just wash your hands of that. And it does suck for that kid. Um, but I, I do. You know, I feel confident that he will find a good place to land. Yeah. Yeah, he'll end up just fine. Speaking of finding a good place, um, I was thinking, you know, this Tuesday, uh, next week on the television show, we're going to do the top 11 players of the Urban Meyer era. Nice. So that'll be the subject of the television show. Um, and I've been in my head and, you know, I'm going back and forth with the czar and trying to figure out, you know, how, how should we, you know, rank these? How, how should we rank them? Um, and, and I thought about ballots and all sorts of things. And, um, you know, in the end, you think about, all right, the top of that list, it's, you know, it's Zeke, it's Bosa, Bosa it's Braxton Miller. Um, I mean, it's in a really incredible list. It's going to be hard to pair it to 11, to be honest, of, of just urban guys who played for urban. Um, but then I started to think about, while, while that was going on, on the other side of my brain, I started to think about, like, who are the program definers for Buckeye basketball? Hmm. And yeah. the guy that we thought would be, the program definer that would be, you know, hanging. I remember being at the press conference when he said he was going pro and dad said, I'd like to see his, his Jersey in the rafters was D'Angelo Russell. Right. Um, this is a number two pick in the draft. Some people thought he should have gone number one. He goes number two to the Lakers. Um, he was great. His one year at Ohio state, first team all American. He was great. Um, but now this is a kid who um, I look at him and I, I think it's crazy when people say he's a bust. I mean, he's 20 years old. He hasn't even grown into it. He's a kid. He hasn't grown into his body yet. I mean, um, but at the same time, the Lakers wouldn't have traded him for cap space unless they didn't think much of him. Um, and you can be wrong about players. It happens. Some, I mean, somebody cut Isaiah Thomas, the Celtics outstanding player. Uh, he was the last player in the draft and has been bouncing around the league for a while. Um, so that happens. It's not often, usually in basketball, you get the, you get the evaluation, right. 
Um, but I was shocked to see him sent packing to the Nets and then started to think about, you know, who is the poster boy of the Thad Mata era? Because really, because of Greg's injury, I mean, it's clearly it's Mike Connolly's the correct answer. Um, but because of Greg's injury and the underachieving pro careers of Evan Turner, D'Angelo Russell, Jared Sullinger. Yeah, Odin. There's, there's not... There's nobody out there that you can kind of hang your hat on and go, oh, yeah, we produced that guy. In fact, really, O'Brien with Mike Red had a super had a superstar. Mike Red was on a dream team. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, he had that. And, and even before that was Jimmy was a superstar. Jimmy was I mean, he took Tony. Did he take t- Tony Braxton from Jason Kidd? I can't remember how that went. Um, or Jason Kidd took him from Tony Braxton, but one way or the other, he was dating Tony Braxton. That's pretty good. <laughs> um, in her prime, like 25 years ago. And, yeah. um, but anyway, so he was a superstar. So I look back at the Thad era and Mike Connolly is a hell of a basketball player, but I don't think anybody would call him a superstar. He's paid that way because the NBA allows it, sure. but he's definitely, I don't think anybody would consider him a superstar player. And I thought, you know, when those kids were coming through, I really believe that Evan Turner would be a better pro than he's been. Um, I believe that Jared Sullinger would be a better pro than he's been. And I definitely thought D'Angelo Russell would be a better pro than he's been in a short sample size, although he's, he's been okay. He's been better than okay. He's been good. Um, it's when you draft a guy number two overall, you expect him to be a cornerstone of your franchise. And obviously the Lakers don't think he is. Um, but it's kind of a weird spot because there was a ton of winning during that time, a ton of big time recruits, but Mike Connolly's kind of the guy you hang your hat on. The Odin injury, of course, hangs over all of it because if, you know, who knows what happens if he stays healthy. But um, it's, it's, I just got started thinking about it. Like, who is the guy you hang your hat on if you're Thad Mata during that tenure? Well, if you ask somebody who the Ohio State player they think of the most in the Thad Mata era, it's, it's got to be Aaron Kraft. But obviously, he's not, right. you know, he's not in the league. He's not, you know, made an impact in the NBA, D League All Star and all that. But that's not really. You know, it's not going to get you the publicity that you want for Ohio State. I mean, you're right. It's, it's Mike Connolly who's had the most successful career so far. I was actually, it's interesting you bring this up because I was kind of thinking about this in the context of the D'Angelo Russell trade. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was an article uh, talking to Adam Silver at ES, you know, from ESPN, and they were talking about the one-and-done rule and how the NBA wants to kind of rethink that and, and yeah. you know try to figure out how they want to work with that. You know, D'Angelo Russell is not even close to a finished product, but because of the no. expectations of the NBA, you know, you're you're a fool if you stay longer than a year and you could be drafted first, second, or third in the NBA draft. And I don't think basketball, I mean, you're talking about maybe, I mean, there was one draft, one or two drafts where you're like, all right, there's a decent amount of guys here that can make the leap from high school right to the NBA. And then they instituted the one-year rule, but I just don't know that there are that many you know, types of talent in college basketball and even in high school that can really do that. And I think they're starting to realize that you need to have more development in college to make an impact in the NBA. And I think D'Angelo Russell at some point may turn into a really good player, but you're not going to hit your prime. I mean, until you're at least three or four years down the line from where he is oh right now. Just think of you. I mean, neither you or I, I are professional athletes, clearly. Mind-blowing. Yeah, I mean, do you think about this? Neither you nor I are professional athletes, right? But right. <laughs> when did no. you think physically you were at your prime? Like for me, right. I was 28. I mean, right now I'm probably in the best shape of my life. Like, and I'm 32. So I don't, yeah, yeah I, I can't you have imagine. the wind that you had at like 28, though. Yeah, I mean, it will do. Yeah. Because I, mean, I would say like 28, 29 was when I was at my prime. 
Right. Athletic. And it doesn't make sense to me because you look at other sports. I mean, the NFL, obviously, you've got, you know, certain restrictions with when you can go out from college. But with baseball, baseball players aren't considered to be good. And like, you know, baseball ready for the most part. I mean, you've got exceptions like Harper and, you know, A-Rod and stuff. Like but for Trout, the most yeah. part, yeah. But you can't really reach your prime according to baseball. You met all your skill requirements, all this other stuff until you're in your mid to late 20s. Joey Votto was probably the best player the Reds have had in the last 15 years. He didn't get good. He didn't get to the point where he is now until he was 26, 27 years old. Like, that's what's insane to me. Uh, But basketball, you know, like, all right, well, you've got the skills you can shoot. You should be good from 19 on. And that's just not really, John, what it it really comes down to is, 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 um, you know, Major League Baseball has a legitimate farm system. Right. And it's not feasible for any of the other sports to have one. The NBA's tried with the D League, but it really hasn't done anything in terms of developing what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. So what you the article you read from Silver also talked about how Silver wants to add a year and make it a two and done or even a three and done. Um, what's hard about that is then you're gonna keep on you're gonna pretend that this is a, a student athlete, you're gonna pull <laughs> right. this farce out another year. Right. Like, you know, like these kids don't they don't care. I mean, that was what are we talking about? I mean, they don't want to be, they don't want to, they're there because they have to be, if they could go pro right out of high school, they would, they did that before they instituted one and done. Mm-hmm. Um, so if they went two and done, like I think what would have to do is it have to be a total rethinking of the collegiate basketball model. And it would almost have to be, instead of putting these kids into, you know, Duke or Ohio state or Michigan or a, a big university, I mean, it almost should be like a Votech. Um, where they <laughs> yeah. teach these kids, how, where they teach these kids how to be human beings, you know, how to how to how to balance your budget, how to uh, your checking account, your savings account, you know, what, your health insurance, stuff like that. I, I I don't see any point of these kids being taking like freshman level courses, and you know, first two year courses at a place like Ohio State for for what? I mean, all that will happen is you'll just try to keep them eligible. That's right. it. You'll do whatever is necessary to keep them eligible. You'll tutor the hell out of them until they, so they, you put them in cake classes and you tutor them like crazy, um, you know, to keep them eligible. Um, so it's a tricky spot. I mean, baseball does it nice because they do, you can either, the baseball rule is you can come right out of high school, or if you go to college, um, you have to be three years past your high school graduation. Right. Um, right. So you have to stay through your junior year or your redshirt sophomore year. Um, and I like that. That's nice. I think that's pretty good. That, and that, that kind of separates, you know, the kids who want to go to college to the kids who don't. The problem is the NBA doesn't want that because they don't want a bunch of high school kids. That's the whole point of one and done. Uh, they can't market these kids. It's hard enough marketing these kids at 19, um, and having them coming into the NBA. They're not finished products. Yeah. They're trying like hell to market this Markel Fultz kid and Lonzo ball and whatever. Sure. That's why do you think Lonzo Ball's dad is on TV all the time? It's not because anybody finds it particularly entertaining. It's because <laughs> the NBA is on ESPN and ESPN paid a billion dollars for it. And they need to have somebody interesting on all these teams. And if they can make the Lakers interesting, then that's a big win for them. So they're going to try and make Lonzo Ball a superstar. And his dad helps get that name out there. Um, so that's the reason that all that happened. The NBA is in a tricky spot and college basketball is in a tricky spot. But I think they've got to, if they want to do, a two or three year minimum, I think they've got to rethink the curriculum for these kids. Well, and to your point, I mean, 
baseball can do that because they have a farm system because they they right. can have the patience That's to right. develop those players uh you know for four or five years to the point where they've developed all the skills that they need to make an impact on their teams the nba has way more urgency than that and they're not going to be that patient with a guy who's coming out of you know high school or whatever even one and done they want them to contribute immediately and you know when you talk about like character and stuff, I mean, people have talked a little bit about D'Angelo Russell and I always kind of struggled um, personality wise in LA. Like, you know, obviously there was some friction with the team early on and now that maybe hasn't gotten better. I mean, yeah, but that's what I'm saying. And wrecked, like he wrecked a marriage, he did, but he was, the, but you know, he's think about that years old. He, like he, he wrecked a marriage, drunk. he wrecked Let's an engagement of Swaggy P and Iggy Azalea. <laughs> yeah. God's sake. I mean, oh, I mean but, but what do you expect? I mean, I just you know it's not it's not that he's a bad person; it's that he's a teenager, and I don't know yeah, that right. like you can really expect any different. And I, I think the NBA just wants to have it both ways. They want to be able to you know draft these guys and, and give them what they want, and then also expect them to be basically superstars from the word go. And and I'm sorry, that's just not going to happen. You're not going to get a LeBron. Well, they're scared of missing. They're you know? scared of missing. That's why they won't pass on them. So they draft on right. potential. Exactly. And, and really, exactly. the miracle of it all is the NFL, which is amazing because they make you go to college for three years. They make these kids who don't want to be there, in many cases, <laughs> go to college for three years. And it's amazing that it has never been challenged. Well, it's amazing. I mean, I mean they've tried. I tried to challenge it. And... No, no, no. We've tried, but it never goes anywhere. Right, exactly. exactly. It never goes anywhere. Lots have tried. I mean, I thought, I thought Claret had a shot, and obviously yeah. I wasn't alone. Um, you know, but they, they just continue. The NFL just will fight this forever. So the NFL gets ready-made stars. Yep. They get names that, you know, because you've watched them play college football at big time places for three years. When Andrew Luck walks into the Indianapolis or Deshaun Watson, when Deshaun Watson walks in to the Houston Texans this August, mm-hmm. his Jersey will fly off. It's probably already flying off the shelves in Houston and around the, just like Johnny, Johnny had the number one Jersey sales. Or Zeke in Dallas. I mean, these right. guys are superstars before they in even college. Play. Before they even play. You're getting yeah. a ready-made star in the NBA. Nobody, no other leagues figured this out. And the NFL hides behind the physicality, which there's some truth to, I'm sure. Um, but the NFL hides behind the physicality that our game, our game is way too physical. And frankly, they say our owners decide the age limit. And the NBA right. could do the same thing. They just got to get the Players Association to get behind it. Well, I was going to say, um, once you, know, you institute that, I don't think you can walk it back. Because I don't know that the Players Association would be super wild about that. They want their players to be no, able to... No, they're not. Yeah. So Definitely not. No, and because they want to get, they want to start that clock to when you get paid as soon as possible. Exactly. Exactly. So that's what that's about. Um, but, you know, the, the NFL, they, the NFL's got it right. They've got a beautiful thing. Yeah, um, I just so good feel, luck you know, to D'Angelo Russell. I just feel D'Angelo Russell and Brooklyn, I mean... Shoot, five years from now, you could be talking about him on all-star teams. You know what I mean? Like, wow, where did he but come from? Like, bad. well, he could have developed yeah. for a couple of years, and then would have been great. Yeah. But that's not that's not what the you know how the metrics work out in the NBA anymore. He's so. gonna put up some amazing stats because there's that's the worst team in the NBA. So he's gonna and they <laughs> they have no draft pick next year. The Celtics have their pick again, yeah. so he's gonna put up monster numbers um, for Brooklyn over the next couple of years. So, uh, if you, if you play rotisserie basketball, I would draft him cause he's going to average about 22 and nine. I bet on that team. Um, <laughs> I wanted to ask you, uh, two things right in your wheelhouse. Okay. First, um, political question. Okay. We have, uh, the state of Ohio ranks where in terms of all time presidents we've produced. 
Oh, good question. So Ohio claims, I want to say off the top of my head, I think Ohio claims eight. Um, okay. It, there is, I mean, I think we claim William Henry Harrison, despite the fact that he was born in Virginia, um, but he came okay. to Ohio at a very young age, I think. I could be, could be wrong on that, but it's seven or eight, basically. Who has more than us? Virginia. Just Virginia. Virginia. Think, yeah, Virginia is the only one I think with more. I think they have nine or ten. Okay. Maybe. Um, who's our best president? <laughs> I know we've got some bad ones. Ohio, man, Ohio has almost all bad ones. Um, well, we really didn't. Do, we haven't done well, right? No. I mean, if you want to say best, oh God. I mean, this is set. <laughs> Before he got assassinated, William McKinley was extremely popular. <laughs> that's that's how that's where we're at. That's where we're at. Because you could say that Ulysses bad. S. Grant, as as far as a person, as a human being goes, Ulysses S. Grant was an incredible human being, terrific person, awful president. Um, yeah. Places trust. And Warren Harding's trust. considered like one of the worst, right? Who? Harding's one of the worst. Harding's terrible. I mean, don't don't tell that to DJ. But Harding was absolutely terrible. Uh, Taft was a milk toast guy who never wanted to be president, but Teddy Roosevelt kind of bullied him into it, and he was incredibly ineffective. Right. Uh, we've got some Gilded Age guys who just kind of rolled over for big business. Uh, you know, just yeah, it's not not, not a good, not a really a murderer's row there. They're pretty bad overall. All right. So that leads. I ask you those questions so I can ask you this question. Okay. Is John Kasich the closest we've come to the next Ohio president since who? And how realistic is it that John Kasich is the president of the United States? So John Kasich is not. Um, well, I mean, if you're talking about like since Harding, who was the last Ohio president. Yeah, last 50 um, years or so. Who's gotten close from Ohio? So Bob Taft Sr., I think, uh, ran at it in the 1940s or 1950s. So I guess it's not even the next, uh, it's not even the night, you know, last 50 years. Um, but to my knowledge, uh, I would say, yeah, he's probably the closest, at least to becoming nominated. Um, from the Republican Party or Democratic Party. So, yeah. Okay. Hi, and, and a lot of it, I mean, it, it's hard to he's say. running for president right now. I mean, right. <laughs> he's clearly running for president oh, right no. now. He, he's going to try to primary Trump. But, um, yeah. yeah, I mean, it'll depend what happens, I guess, the next few years. He's definitely super serious about it. Uh, there have been other Ohioans who have made a stab at it. But really, it's interesting how the demographics kind of change because you've gotten population centers changing over time. And, sure. and now you see a lot more maybe Southern candidates or Western candidates because of where people are moving. And yeah. um, But I don't know. I, I think maybe Bob Taft was the last guy before Kasich with a real serious shot at getting the nomination. Um, I'm sure if Steve were listening to this, he could pop in and, and tell me uh, that I was wrong. or. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, it, it's just, yeah, we'll see. Yeah. I mean, you're an expert. I mean, you, 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 <laughs> sure. Um, yeah, I'll take yeah, that. I mean, I, you, you definitely are. Um, okay. So I was just curious cause I, it's been fun watching him. It's interesting to me watch, you know, a Republican governor of Ohio who clearly is running for president while the current president is obviously there's a lot going on. Um, right. but at the same time, it seems like the current president, like what he really just likes to do is campaign. So. I, I just think it's going to, we're setting up for a fascinating thing because it's clear to me that Kasich wants to run in 2020. Um, so I'm just fascinated. I'll be really curious to see how this plays out and, and if, if how far Kasich gets about being, you know, the next Ohio president since we haven't had one in a very, very long time. Yeah, I mean, um, well, here's, you know, that's always a nice thing to hang your hat on. But what I would say is, uh, 
Um, well, first of all, actually, before I even get to that, John Glenn might actually be another guy. He was a Democrat, and he, I know, was running uh, to see if he could get the nomination, uh, the Democratic nomination for president. So I think he might actually be one of the other guys. Would that have been like 84? Yeah, that was in the, I, I believe, early 80s um, that he was looking at that. So I think John Glenn might be another dude that I might have missed. Um, okay. What I'm looking forward to, and this, is, this maybe is in the far-flung future, but we haven't had a president with a any kind of facial hair since the last. Uh, yeah, he was an Ohio hair. president. William Howard Taft had a mustache, yeah. and we have not had a president with facial hair since then. So I don't I think that's like happening. See, We're not going to see a facial hair president anytime. I want to so. see a big ZZ top Texas goatee looking president. Yeah, it's not happening, buddy. Years, but... <laughs> it's not the cards. It's just not in the right. cards. You'll never see that again. And thanks to John F. Kennedy, you'll never see the Don Draper hats again like they wore in the 50s all the time, which yeah, is a shame. That's true. Um, next thing I want to talk to you about is the second trailer for Game of Thrones dropped yes. today. Um, so what? Um, the, when I see this thing, I, tr- I had my kids most of the day, so I, I didn't get a chance to really pour over it the way that I wanted to. Mm-hmm. Um, but Jamie Lannister on a beach with fire in the background riding a white steed is an interesting scene, to <laughs> say the was- least. That looks um, man, that was so baller. That looks so amazing. That yeah. is that's the scene you've wanted to see from Jamie since the very beginning of the right. show. Right. Uh, it's a shame that's... that he's riding right into his death, but yeah. Um but yeah, well, so first that... he's gonna ask him to do something stupid and then he's gonna have to do it, and then we'll see whether he lives or dies as a result of it. But yeah, that's that's probably what's gonna happen. She's gonna send him to do something incredibly dumb, and then he's gonna Don't have you think to... she's gonna have to marry like the Giron Greyjoy guy? That may, you know what? That may be the play. That may be what she tries to, to be. Do. I don't think that'll ever actually happen, but I wouldn't be surprised if that was a big plot line. They're going to have to be because the, 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 right now, the, as I keep going back to the season, I mean, I'm stoked for it, obviously, but um, yeah. I just keep coming back with like, what are you going to do? She's got right. dragons, Dothraki, Unsullied, what ships? Like what? There's no sort of <laughs> Lannister army. She's got everybody on her side. The blonde's yeah. got everybody. Like she'll, if she'll annihilate the South in right. a second. Like wh- what would, what would the Lannisters possibly be able to cobble together? Um, and even Euron Greyjoy, am I to believe that he's going to be able to put together a fleet of boats better than the ones that that were stolen? Yeah, I, I think you gotta, you gotta go. The only way that they're going to have to make that legitimate is they got to have the Tyrells, which, according to the books and the show, have a huge amount of troops. They they suck, but they're there. Uh, and then yeah, the Greyjoys. With Danny. Yeah. Well, that's they're not the thing, going though, with like, Cersei. I don't know. I don't know if that will maintain. I'm thinking that may be like a double cross thing. I don't know. We'll Cersei see. Cersei just barbecued the Tyrells' heirs. Yeah. Both of them at once. Yeah. I. I, I, I mean, feel no way. I feel like there could be like some kind of hostage situation. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not super. The Tyrells are sneaky. Man, like I like. I'll be honest. That they are the wild cards for me, and I know this is a really weird thing to say, and a lot of people may not back me up on it. Um, they have revealed very little about Tyrells in the books, like in terms of their extended family and stuff. I think what's going to happen is you got like old Lady Elena, and then something's going to happen where some somebody gets stabbed in the back or something happens, and then that's where that's where some of the intrigue happens. I don't know. I, I just I don't trust them. I, they're too happy. They're too nice. They're too rich. There's too many of them. Jeez, but, but everything's been Barbie. She's got nobody left. Yeah. I mean, we'll see. I, well, we'll see. I, yeah. I mean, so, 
So that was interesting. I, I'm always worried when I see Sansa walking, like staring, and then Littlefinger in the shadows. Yeah. Um, I just I, worry about that Geppetto play a lot. I the think, only thing I'm hoping for is that Sansa is is this is a long con for her, and she knows right. what what Littlefinger has done to her, and she's going to barbecue his ass. But we've had so much good Stark news lately. I feel like that we have to lo- have some more bad Stark news at some point. Right. So I'm a little concerned about that. I'm interested to see what happens because I I mean I feel like at some point. The, the Starks got to meet up uh, because they've got, you know, Arya's in Westeros now. She's killing mm-hmm. Freys left and right. So that's, I mean, she's in helping. Riverlands. Yeah. So I feel like with John in the North hanging out with Sansa, like eventually I feel like Arya's going to get to them and they'll hang out a little bit. So maybe, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how that ends up, you know, playing out. I think a lot of people are like, yeah, everybody's going to be happy family. I don't know. I don't, I feel like maybe, uh, there might be some some mistrust between them. I think maybe that's what Littlefinger's role is. Maybe he's going to try to break them apart a little bit. Well, and the key there would be John's lineage, right? Obviously, because um, nobody, yeah, because nobody knows yet, publicly at least, right. that he is uh, actually a Targaryen. So, right, right. How do you I when these come out? Pumped. Is there a process that you go through when you when you're? I usually try to watch them in silence, but like I said, I had my kids, so I wasn't able to like take it all in. <laughs> yeah. I usually, I mean, depending on the episode, I'll watch it like once, at least twice. I'll watch it once and then just kind of like, oh my God, what's going on? And then I'll go back, you know, and watch kind of the specific scenes. But if you're talking about the trailer, the trailer crap, today that came, dude, I would, <laughs> I, I infuriate my students with this, which is, um, I'll, I'll watch a video that's really interesting. And then I'm like, Hey guys, we got to check this out. We got to watch this. And then mm-hmm. I'll replay it back in the like, 0.25 speed like one force speed yeah. so i don't miss anything right and my students when we do this just like scream like stop it we're, we've seen it i'm like no 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 there are details we gotta pick right. out and right. so i will take i'll take you know eight minutes to watch a two minute trailer i don't care i'll look at every single tiny little detail i'll look at like you know barrack or thoros whichever the guy was lighting up his sword you know right. turn on fire you know, I'll see like all the, I'll count all the scales on Drogon as he's about to eat a bunch of dudes. You know, I just, I, I love that stuff. I love the, I love the fact that they construct those trailers knowing that insane people like me are going to do right. that. Because they yes. know that I'm going to look at every single little frame. I'm going to be pausing yep. that thing every two yep. seconds to look at something else to try to glean anything that I can from it. So um, I think it's really cool. It was a really sweet trailer. The Night's King looked really cool. Um. Yeah, that's gonna be fun. I'm. I'm excited for that. I'm excited. I want to see what happens with Bran too, because I. I really feel like he's the linchpin of all of this. So, yeah. yeah. I think we're at a point where that, from a storytelling standpoint, what they're gonna have to be careful with. They have two seasons left. Um, thirteen episodes too. Right. Yeah. So it's not much. Um, they're gonna have to be careful. Uh, you know, they've eliminated almost all the big bads. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a huge loss when you lose Tywin Lannister, who was the best, in my opinion, the best big bad. I know we had Joffrey and we had the other uh, yeah, yeah. kid up north, whose, whose name I how, how am I Ramsey Bolton. Right. Um, so I, you know, those two were like they were almost so evil that it almost seemed farcical. But like Tywin was the big bad to me. He was just the best, yeah. the very Farce. best. Oh God, he's so great. I mean, what a yeah. tremendous loss. Um, and what's what's you know, crazy is like. Him the the 
of all the characters that were translated from the book to the show, I think he was probably one of the most faithfully done. Now there was obviously they changed some really? things around and, and, you know, scenes and stuff and timelines. But as far as like actual personality goes, I think they absolutely nailed it with him. I don't know that they could have done a better job. That um, actor, that Charles dance was off his ass. I mean, he yeah, just it was it. perfect. He was absolutely perfect in terms of how he like his tone and everything else. It was great. All right, before we oh, what I was going to say is they're going to have to develop if if they if you're going to have Euron Greyjoy who shows up on the scene like at the very end of last season if he's going to be right. the big bad and they're trying to build him up I've seen stuff where they say well just wait till you see what this guy does so if they're going to try and build him up they're going to have to work quickly yes. to make me give a damn about this guy I mean that's yeah. going to have to be a, a just on fast forward to make me care about him because we don't we didn't even know he existed until the last what two episodes. I'll be honest, I don't even know that he should have been in the show because the way he's built up in the books, I mean, they take a lot of time to establish him as a threat. And he's almost, what's crazy about him in the books is that he's kind of like this mythological threat. They tell all these stories about him before you actually meet him, about all these insane things that he did. And what's great about uh, his character in the books is that you kind of believe half of him because... Obviously, some of the stuff is absolutely insane. Like, he goes and sails in this pit of death, and he comes back with a dragon horn and all this other stuff. Um, but there's his the way he freaks out every other character, including all of his brothers and all of his relatives and stuff, is really well done in the books. And he's, a, like, a legitimately scary presence. In the show, he's just kind of like a jerk. Like, he just shows up, and he's like, oh, yeah. two ships. And it's not... No backstory. Yeah, and he's not really threatening. But in the books, he's he's almost like this otherworldly presence and he's really freaky so, okay, so they I, miscast I too because the actor's not that yeah he's not he's not imposing he's not threatening he's mm. just like another grimy no. dude like another grimy no. gray joy so yeah. and then the other thing they're gonna have to do and this will be a real tr- tricky thing because over the next 13 episodes they're gonna have to give they're gonna have to give the knight's king and these white walkers they're gonna have to give him a little bit of character yeah uh, which I you don't know, know which is hard right <laughs> they're dead <laughs> human they're dead ice things so um you know because so I, I forget, you know, it's 13 episodes. They'll, they'll do it right. They've crushed everything to this point. Um, but uh, it's, it's, that was good to see. Uh, real quickly, which, um, which you said that Lannister was most like the book in terms of who they cast and the way that he was portrayed. Who's least like the book in terms of who oh, they God. cast and how it was portrayed? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I would say, I mean, a lot of people gripe about uh, Danny. Um, I think that's probably What's the gripe. Well, in part because Danny is really young in, in the books. I mean, she's very, very young in the books, and she's much more naive. But the older she gets, you know, the more commanding of a presence she has. And a mm-hmm. lot of people just don't like the way, um, you know, Clark, the actress, really portrays her. Like they say, she's a lot weaker, you know, and not really this commanding presence that she's supposed to have. The other thing about Danny in the books is that she almost has this like crazy streak. And it feels like she's headed towards a really slippery path like the rest of her family kind of fell into in terms of madness and whatnot. Um, mm-hmm. You don't really get that feeling from her in the show that she's like right. on the precipice of just like completely going nuts. So a lot of people have criticism about her. Um, I would say maybe even like, – well, it's hard to say because they've moved so far off from the books at this point. But a lot of people say Sansa too is – uh, not really as she's portrayed. Again, a much younger character in the books, a lot more naive, um, a lot more kind of like lighthearted. But again, you age up all the characters, you're off the script by this point. You know, it's, right. it's really hard to say that. Uh, the only one that I think I got angry about 
where I was like, this is just in no way, this makes no sense, uh, is Stannis. Because Stannis, like, his actor is great. The guy who portrayed yeah. Stannis is fantastic. And I think just nailed his attitude. But the actions of Stannis are completely antithetical to what he he says he wants to do in the books. Like, he would never... I mean, and granted, maybe this will happen in the next book. But he specifically says in the most recent book that he's not burning anybody, that there will be no killings, that he doesn't really believe in the Red God. He has no desire to do any of that stuff. Um, and in fact, what I think is even crazier is that in the books, he incorporates like all those wild tribes in the north, right? He goes to them. John tells him to do this. He goes to them and says, hey, can you be part of my army? I want to help you out. Like, mm-hmm. the, the show portrays him as this totally inflexible zealot. And the books, he's the opposite of that. Like, he's still, like, a hard-ass, and he's still really, really rigid, and, you know, he's, he grumbles I all see. the time. He's really angry. But he's also incredibly flexible about who he allies with and who he tries to, you know, get to help him out. So they didn't portray that in the show at all. And no. uh, I think that frustrated a lot of people who like Stannis, because in the books, he's a lot funnier. Uh, he's very, got a very dry sense of humor. Um He's a lot more duty-driven. Like, he goes to the North because he understands and recognizes that the White Walkers are a legitimate threat that need to be stopped. Uh, they don't yeah. really mention that in the show. Um, so I don't, I don't know. I think a lot of people probably, and, and me included, really didn't like how they treated Stannis overall. He was, he's not a reckless kind of person who was going to burn his daughter at the stake. Um, yeah, I didn't find that particularly believable. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's his only like heir. Salacious. He's not going to burn to death his only heir. That makes no sense. Right, right. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't buy that at all. And Shireen might burn in the next book, but I don't think it's going to be Stannis is doing. I think it might yeah. be his wife or or Melisandre doing it. You know, without his knowledge. But I, yeah. I don't think he would ever authorize that. Yeah. All right. Do we have any uh, ask us anything? Uh, we got a couple. One is just about Gene Smith. I was talking to a, a friend of mine here. This mm-hmm. is the Gene Smith questions uh, from Dan. He he also does not uh, enjoy Dean uh, Dean Smith. Gene Smith. Um, the only thing I'll say about this, and he basically says, is you know, Gene Smith, the worst AD ever, blah, blah, blah. No, oh, no. I, yeah, I know. It, I think it's a silly question, but it says to me the kind of perception that people have about Ohio State is pretty much limited to just the really big things. And that I, I really no, think no. that them missing that bowl game, uh, missing the postseason, uh, just sticks in the craw of people. And, and I don't know that whatever he does, I mean, the Holtman hire could turn out to be the most brilliant genius hire. He'd go on to do a bunch of other things that are incredibly amazing until he retires. I think that's going to stick in the craw of people until the end of time. And it's just interesting to me that people will hold on to that for so long. Because that was a mistake, but I don't know that he deserves to be damned forever for it. The only thing people, the only thing that the majority of people who are fans of Ohio State, and this is different than people who went there, but more than often we're dealing with people who are fans versus people who went there. Right. And um, just because there's so many more, um, but people who are fans of Ohio state are fans of Ohio state football. Mm-hmm. They're not fans of, they don't care about uh, a nice hockey arena. They're not, yeah. they didn't get swept up in the volleyball program. They don't give a shit. I mean, that's just not it. What they care about is football. Yeah. That's it. So um, in the eyes of, of those people, Gene Smith lost a national championship. That's, right. And, that and that's unfor- be, and that's unforgivable um, yeah. in the eyes of those people. Um, I can tell you two things. When if you think about this, I mentioned this before, 
When Urban Meyer was announced, Gene Smith didn't want to do it because he knew he'd get booed. Now think about that. He's introducing Urban Meyer at a basketball <laughs> game, and they made Archie do it because Gene didn't want to get booed. Yeah, That's a true story. And I also know that Gene reached out when I was at Channel 10, and we did the story with him. He reached out to us and said, I've got to improve my PR. I, yeah. I got to improve this. I'm hated. You know, it's crazy. Um, but I will also say that the big money people who really run the program love Gene. Right. Well, because he's a company man and he's going to, you know, he'll, he'll be the face for their policies. And I think he does that very well. And I think they value that. Um, yep. yeah, I mean, I was talking to a friend of mine today, uh, a listener here, um, John about, uh, about this actually I ran into him and, you know, we kind of talked about Gene a little bit and it's, it's just interesting, you know, I'm not saying his points weren't legitimate. I, I mean, it was a lot of the same stuff that we've talked about and how maybe he hasn't shown such a strong hand. But I, I just think that ultimately, if you're going to get angry about Gene Smith about a lot of stuff, he's maybe not the guy you should be blaming because I don't know a lot of this comes from him. I think it comes from higher up and he's just yeah. the guy who is the public face of it. So the other thing I would say is you're always going to be mad at him more than you're going to be mad at, say, uh, Jim Tressel. <laughs> right. Yeah, he's always going to. He's always going to feel he's always going to take the brunt of that. Nobody's going to take credits for any of the wins right. that the football team has. Yeah. No. Uh, no, he's always going to get the the beat on that. So, yeah. uh that's the price of doing business. He's paid really well and um but but that that will be something I agree with you. I don't think there's any change in it even with a Holtman being a great hire. That'll that'll always be something he'll have to deal with. Yeah. All right. Uh last one here this is from Alvin. He says, "In what time and place is it okay to wear your football jersey in public?" Obviously, if it's during the fall, especially on a Saturday, it's almost always okay to wear your jersey. But when is it not okay? And by the way, I want to add an addendum to this. One of the all other times, yeah. <laughs> well, one of the things that people make fun of Ohio State fans on like Twitter and stuff is that we wear our jerseys all the time, and that people think it's hilarious that we're just gonna like run onto the field in case you know the, the defensive end gets hurt or somebody. Like, I'm here, coach. I got eligibility. <laughs> uh, this is a real. This that? is a. This is a real Midwest thing. Uh, yeah. The wearing of the jerseys. Mm -hmm. So where I grew up out west, nobody wore jerseys. Right. To, to college games, pro games, nothing. Like you'd wear, I don't know, polos or sweatshirts or whatever, but you never saw anybody in jerseys um, when I was growing up. When I was in the south, nobody wears jerseys in the south. Mm -hmm. uh, most people dress up for the college places. Most people, most of the students dress up for games. Um, so yeah. you'd never see them in jerseys. They're usually in, you know, polos or uh, Oxford's or something like that at most of the Southern schools, they dress up for the games. The chicks are in sundresses. That's a beautiful thing. So you don't really see jerseys. So it was alarming to me when I got to Columbus and I just saw the sea of jerseys and would see like grown men wearing jerseys of kids who are 18 years old. It yeah. was crazy. I couldn't wrap my head around it. And then I realized it's not just Ohio state. You go to a Colts game and there's a billion Peyton Manning jerseys. Um, and it's a Midwest thing. Yep. Midwest, thing midwest is jerseys um i'm not a jersey guy i don't hold it against anybody who is but you'll i don't own a jersey i would i don't have one i wouldn't wear one um i would say that at, at the the one thing i would recommend to anybody though if you are a jersey person is wear a jersey of somebody who's older than you i think yes. it's crazy if you're like 35 years old and you're wearing a braxton miller jersey yeah i think you that's not like by archie the jersey of the players by, that when you were like in yeah. around that, go to Eddie, buy an Eddie George jersey or buy right. a you know whatever. Yeah, but yeah, it's whatever. But don't wear 
don't be like a grown man running around in like a 17 jersey for Jerome Baker this year. <laughs> I mean, that's crazy. Like, come on. The one thing, okay, but so I don't. So I, to me, it's never real. I've never got it, but yeah. it's huge, and I don't, I don't hold it against anybody. It's just not for me. Well, now, I mean, you know, you usually don't have names on the back of jerseys anymore. But you know, I've got a jersey. I got a number one jersey that was that was what I picked up because it was on sale at Kohl's, and that's why I got there it. There you go. Um, but I'll, I'll, I'm going to rep the jersey a little bit. I'm going to defend it a little bit because I'll tell you something. I first of all, to answer Alvin's question. Uh, just at Ohio State games. Please don't wear your jerseys. Just sad. And others, face, right? Yeah, it's 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 really not a great look. But uh, you know, <laughs> a collegiate football game is not going to break out around you while you're at Kmart or something, or you know, Coles or whatever. <laughs> right. Um, but I will say this: I have always defended Ohio State fans wearing jerseys to games because my sister went to Vanderbilt, and mm-hmm. I have been in Vanderbilt on uh, football Saturdays, which. Uh, looks a lot like every other day at Vanderbilt. Um, (laughs) But I just, I always have had this visceral rejection of dressing up and trying to look fancy for a college football game. You are not there. This is not a, a social event where you're trying to create connections that will benefit you in your business deal. That's where you're wrong though. No, I know. I'm not saying I'm not, I'm not saying, I'm not saying that doesn't happen. No, no, I'm saying that that's, that's the difference. The Mason-Dixon line separates the two. And I can't, and I can't South, deal with that. It's a social gathering. In the North, it's a bloodletting. Right. Right. That's my point. Really? Because in my opinion, it's different. Look, football should be totally egalitarian. And if you are the poorest SOB who manages to scrounge up you know, $65 you know, dollars and pennies to go to the game, you should look just as fresh and clean as the guy who's sitting there in double-A deck. I do not like the idea of somebody saying, like, you know what, I'm going to get my hair coiffed. I'm going to tuck in my pink polo into my Birkenstock. I'm going to have my, you know, my, my boat shoes out. Like, yeah. I hate that crap. Because yeah. to me, if you're a fan, you're, you're that. You're, you're part of that mob. And I like the idea of an egalitarian Ohio State fan base that is just a bunch of insane people all wearing the same thing. I love that. Um, it's great. It's just a, it's incredible to me the vast difference in the two. Yeah. They're, no, they're, they're just totally different. Completely different. They, they both, you can both work. Yeah. Both work. Um, both absolutely work. But then they work for the for those parts of the country. But the differences are, I mean, it was stunning the first time I went to an Ohio State game at the shoe and I saw all these grown men wearing jerseys. Yeah. It's, I just couldn't wrap my head around it. That's the work uniform. I've never seen you, put on, you put on your, yeah. you, when you go to work at it's the, cool. uh, I'm down you with know, it. You put on your jumpsuit. When you go to Ohio Stadium, you put on your uniform. That's how it works. <laughs> and that's, no, fine. It's and cool. that's I'm, I'm down. Yeah, and I just, you know, that's that's how I've always processed football and college football, especially in Ohio. It's like, hey, man, like, it doesn't matter where you're from, what walk of life you are. You go into that stadium, we're all the same. We're all going to cheer the same way. I don't like the idea of going to a stadium trying to show off and prove how, like, you know, socially awesome you are. That's not it. Like, you're not there to show how cool you are. You're there to support the team. Yeah. And yeah. I, like I said, I personally just reject. I just, I don't like it. I don't like it, man. I don't like I, it. I will say this. Uh, the um, from the co-ed perspective, it's better the way they do it down there. I don't disagree with that. <laughs> but uh, from a co-ed perspective, but I like the but, idea that you can wear your you can wear your sweatpants and your shirt with the holes in it. it doesn't matter. Just be gross yeah. and awesome and yell and scream. That's just I don't know, man. Right. I like yeah. it. It's it, different different strokes for different folks. 
Right. Uh, I think both are effective. Just depends on where you want to live and, and how you want to do it, but both work. Um, okay. Uh, I think that's it. We're good. <laughs> I think that's a wrap. That's a wrap, buddy. Yeah. I'm uh, I'm uh, I'm going to rep next the proletarians week. and then we're going <laughs> to Right. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Take down the bourgeoisie of the south. That's fine. <laughs> that's right. That's good. Um all right. So uh we keep kids keep keep coming with the uh, the ask us anything because Absolutely, obviously yeah. we're in the summer. Uh we spent 10 minutes on Game of Thrones. So that's where we're at right now. Um oh, well, wait till so, so wait we'll till the 16th, them. man. When that comes oh, okay. out. Yeah, we'll probably have to do power rankings each week. Oh yeah, let's do that. That sounds awesome. Who's let's definitely Game of Thrones. So we'll yes. have to we'll have to do the power rankings. Oh, and I want to remind you to uh, check out the television show on Tuesday when we will do the eleven best players to have played under Urban Meyer at Ohio State. That sounds fun too. Absolutely. Yeah, will be. All right, buddy. We'll see you next week. Yep. See you next week.